When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network, wherever you're listening from right now, take a moment, hopefully, to hit the subscribe button to keep up with this series as we do release three interviews a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and would love to keep you up to date. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even YouTube. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Robin Wilson of the band Jim Blossoms. Last year, they released an album, their first one in eight years, called Mixed Reality, which we'll talk about uh, how teaming up with uh, Don Dixon and Mitch Easter gave them that great jingle feel that the duo is known for, especially with REM. There's a lot of REM worship in this uh, in this interview. I'll, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the spoiler that it begins and ends with some REM worship. We'll also talk about a few of the songs specifically. 
One of the songs, uh, Face in the Dark, was written about uh, one of the uh, the founders, Doug Hopkins, who passed away in 1993. And Robin will tell me about writing that song right there. That also leads into uh, their recent playings of the album New Miserable Experience. That was a breakthrough record, and they would play it in full in the last couple of years. We'll hear about his relationships with those songs, as well as the 30th anniversary of the first Jim Blossoms record before they were signed to a major label. It was called Dusted. And speaking of anniversaries... Uh, when we recorded this, it was the 25th anniversary of the uh, the Kiss tribute album called Kiss My Ass. And Robin's got some great Kiss stories. He fronted Kiss. Actually fronted Kiss. And speaking of fronting, these days, along with the Jim Blossoms, he also fronts the Smithereens. And Robin tells me, not only is there new Jim Blossoms music in the works, but there's possibly a new Smithereens album in the works. There's lots happening in this one. It's Kyle Meredith with the Jim Blossoms. Hello, this is Robin. Well, first off, it, it is really a pleasure, uh, really an honor, really. Um, you, you, you know, you're all songs that meant the world to me, so it's great to hear everybody's still out there and performing at the level you did. Uh, you all were just, are, are you still on tour with Collective Soul? Is that still happening? Well, we're taking a break from them, and then we start up with them again and do another 15 shows starting at the end of July. I just had Ed on the show just, uh, I think, last week and everything, so I got to hear, you know, the, the beginning of it, his side of it. Uh, what Are there any standout moments so far? Well, every night I get to go up on stage with, collective soul and sing the one i love by rem and that's a big thing because you're a big rem fan you and i have that in common that's uh this is this is a lifelong fandom of your own right absolutely it's a a beautiful it's a great song it's always been uh, a big one in my canon and uh you know fronting another rock band other than mine is is always fun you know you get to step in and you get all the glory with none of the baggage (laughs) The REM connection, I feel like that's an easy seg because last year you put out the really great record called Mixed Reality, and, and it has a tie in there as you used producers uh, Don Dixon and Mitch Easter. With this record, you know, you all have always had sort of that vibe, and I'm going to use the word jangle that's kind of been in and out of your career through your catalog, but this one does feel it has more of a stake in that, and I didn't know if that came naturally for you or if that's some of the influence that Don and Mitch had on you. Well, I think it wasn't... The, the parts were already written before we got into the studio, but I can say for certain that as I was writing and arranging these songs, I had Don and Mitch's catalog very much in my thoughts, and I felt like I was able to reconnect with my 20-year-old self and write songs that that kid would have wanted to present to the band. So, um, you know, especially with um, one of my songs, Face the Dark, I knew as soon as that was written, and it was actually the basics of it were written a few years before I even knew uh, that Don might be in the picture. But I always sort of pictured that song as a... uh, as an early Jim Blossom song that was heavily heavily influenced by R.E.M. and the church and some of the other uh, touchstones that inspired Jim Blossom. Now, looking back like that, I mean, writers, a lot of time, you, you sort of look for a direction or inspiration to kind of, you know, spur the, the creativity. Why look back? Why, why was this the moment to, to, to try to reconnect with that 20-year-old self? Oh, uh, well, there's nothing I... I did like on purpose. It's just, it's just kind of what happened. You know, um, I just started writing songs and 
as soon as they as soon as they started to come together, I sensed that that's what was happening. I uh, again, I I didn't I didn't sit down ahead of time and think, okay, I'm gonna write some REM Smithereens kind of tunes, something that Jim Lawson's would have wanted to do in 1990. It, just started happening all on its own and I was quick to realize that it was happening and you know I didn't fight it you know I don't I, I just do what comes naturally to me and I was just uh, fortunate that I was in a really strong place creatively and I was very confident as I was writing the songs that I was on to something you know you, you hear some of that of course you know the album leads off with break and I know forever is the nights you know one of yours and, and both great there, there's also the lighter side of things that I wanted to hear about because you get the JFK shit show, a very short song. Uh, I, I don't know how that happened, but it leads right into that first line of The Devil's Daughter, and that seems like there was some intelligent thought going on there. Uh, you know, as we were sequencing the record, it became sort of obvious that that's where those should go. But, you know, mainly I wanted Don Dixon to sequence the album. And uh, I came to him with basically two ideas. The, I, I thought the record should start with break, and I thought it should end with Mega Pond thing. And then I let Don kind of take it from there. And then we had one or two more conversations, and I, I think there was a moment where I said, why don't we put JFK right before the devil's daughter? And, you know, just a, a few moments of whimsy kind of jammed together. It seemed like the right thing to do. What is that moment that we're hearing with uh, the JFK? Well, I I live on Long Island in New York, and I fly out of JFK every week, and it's the bane of my existence. You know, <laughs> I just think that I think the place should just be nuked, and they should just start over again. You know, it's just such a colossal fuck up of chaos. You know, it's just such a mess. And I I was sitting on the plane. Usually, what happens when you're at JFK? There's so many planes, it's so busy that when your plane lands, there's nowhere for you to park, or they can't find a ground crew to come and, you know, park the plane. And so you see, you end up sitting there on the runway for an extra 20 minutes while the airport finds a parking space for you. And this happens so often, and, you know, this was about four years ago when I wrote the song. I was just sitting there in my seat, just aggravated and just so sick of my JFK experience. And I just, in my head, started singing that tune. And by time I, by the time we managed to park the plane, I kind of had the whole thing. <laughs> and um, I went home and I sang it to my son right away. I'm like, great, check this out. I wrote a song on a plane. And, um, you know, he kind of laughed. And, and then later that day, I heard him bragging to uh, my sister-in-law or, or his aunt. Dad wrote a really funny song called The JFK Ship Show, you know. And I think he was mostly telling her about it so he had an opportunity to curse. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a son who does that same thing. So, yeah. I... <laughs> It is a fun moment. You know, I hadn't been paying attention, I think, to the track list when I had the record on. So when it got to there, it was definitely one of those moments where I turned around and went, hey, wait, what now is going on? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was always, Queen is one of my favorite bands. And A Night at the Opera was the first record I ever bought. And there's a song on that record, um, uh, Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon. And, um, you know, so I wanted, you know, I was kind of inspired by that. You know, as I was writing the song on the plane, I kind of realized, oh, this is like, uh, you know, blazing on a Sunday afternoon, my queen. Uh -huh. And uh, so I wanted it to be like a, 
you know, old ragtime number. Well, you know, that that's a lighter side. You had mentioned Face, face in the Dark earlier, and, and as I read, that started out about one thing, but you've said uh, is also a bit about Doug. Yeah, you know, I, I originally was writing the song about the end of my marriage, but, you know, as I was writing the lyrics, I kind of, I started thinking about Doug, and I realized that it applied to to him, uh, to his relationship, uh, or to him, to my and Doug's relationship, and and you know, to his final days, his uh, you know last couple of years uh, before his death. You know, I think he was. That's how he was feeling. Well, no, you know, in the last couple of years, you all had been playing New Miserable Experience in in full in concert. For what seems like, you know, what was a complicated time in your life, what what's your relationship like with those songs nowadays? It's pretty warm, you know, and pretty fond. You know, I'm asked all the time, do I mind singing the hits? And no, I don't. I, you know, I enjoy it quite a bit. And I'm really proud of, you know, that we've, that we've had hits and we have a legacy. And um, start, when we started doing New Miserable Experience Live back in 2017 to celebrate the 25th anniversary, I was forced for the first time in 25 years to actually listen to the record. And I heard it with an objectivity that I never could have in previous times, you know. Uh, I mean, I knew the material, but I hadn't thought about it as a body of work as, or I hadn't thought about it in terms of what it must sound like to other people. And I realized that it's really fucking great. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, and, uh, you know, playing that, you know, when our crew heard us do it for the first time, they were like, they had, they had heard most of those songs before, but it's never... They hadn't realized that they were all from the same record. Right. And so even our crew was like, holy crap, this is all on one album? And we're like, yeah, we're pretty fucking good, you know? <laughs> has it um, has it occurred yet that this is the 30th anniversary of your first record with Dusted? I guess I hadn't thought about it in... I, I haven't thought about Dusted in a while, but... It's never lost on me that the band has been together for 31 years. Yeah. You know, it, it comes up in conversation quite a bit. And, um, you know, people ask, oh, I'll, you know, I'll meet a, a cab driver or whatever. And they're like, oh, you're in a band? How long have you been together? And you, you say 31 years, and people go, holy crap. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long time. It, it, it truly is. It's, it's, it's quite an accomplishment. And ultimately, it's, it's the brass ring. It's what you hope for, you know, to be able to sustain it and uh, to you know have a catalog of music that's familiar to people and a part of their lives and um, you know I just take so much pride in, in being a rock singer and you know what we've accomplished and it's just an amazing thrill to be able to go to any any city in America and have a thousand people sing our songs back to us you know something I wrote in my bedroom and there's a thousand people singing it back to me right you know it's it's there's really, you know, as a, as a guy who grew up wanting to be a rock singer and a songwriter, it's the ultimate reward. I, I wanted to ask a, a couple things about that album. So that's one of them I'd always heard about and, and never took the time to track down. But, of course, for the interview, I wanted to hear it talking about Dusted and was blown away because, you know, you, you all got better, as bands do, with time. But it's interesting to hear how well... You were formed right out of the gate with that record. I mean, those songs, it's interesting to hear the 90s stripped off of those songs, uh, 
but those songs almost sound like what you do now, like like with what we're hearing with mixed reality. It's almost like a full circle, you know? It it is. Again, we've always done what what comes naturally to us. We've always followed our influences and never uh never was there a moment where some new thing was happening on MTV and we were like, oh, let's dress like that or let's write a song like that. Uh, you know, we always just followed our course, what came to us naturally. And um, I think it's that kind of honesty that people connect with, you know, that that kind of authenticity is what people crave from from their music, you know, yeah. and they can they can feel it. You, you all have done uh, deluxe editions. Have you ever thought about reissuing that album? Dusted, well, we've got it available, you know, we've, we've printed up some CDs, but, you know, the fact is nobody buys CDs anymore, you know, we've only, we've barely sold, any, uh, we've hardly sold any mixed reality, you know, I mean, people stream the crap out of it, but people don't really buy it, and um, it's just a different time, you know, the, 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 that's the thing that's changed the most about the music industry since the beginning of our career is that the, is the delivery mechanism. You know, I think people connect with music in exactly the same kind of ways emotionally as they ever did. It's just a different delivery system. Right. And, um, you know, we, we we came up in a time where you listened to the radio, you watched MTV, you went to the record store. Consuming music was something you did, you know, that you set time aside for. And now it's just everywhere. Every song ever written is available at any given time in your pocket. And, you know, that's, I think, the main thing that's different. But uh, people, I think, still connect to music and um, have exactly the same emotional responses that they ever that they ever did. I, I'm not one of those people that says, uh, oh, you know, the kids today, they suck because <laughs> they didn't get to go to record stores or, you know... Our, you know, our high school sucks since we graduated. You know, I mean, people, people don't really change. You know, uh, again, when it comes to music, it's just a delivery system that's changed. Well, I'd mentioned anniversary. I was going to mention one more too, uh, and I just realized this one a few minutes before the interview. Uh, you'd put out an EP 25 years ago this year called "Shut Up and Smoke," and and it had some, I guess, B sides in it, and Soul Deep ended up on the Speed soundtrack. Christine 16. I don't, it wasn't on that one. You had Christine Irene, but Christine 16, the anniversary for that Kiss compilation, Kiss My Ass, was actually today. Today is the 25th anniversary oh, wow. of that compilation. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. I just watched the video for us with us uh, performing that on Letterman with Kiss. I was just watching that last night because I yesterday I got a tattoo from one of my favorite tattoo artists pretty famous dude named Dan Smith. There's, uh, I just posted some photos on our Instagram of me getting this tattoo yesterday. And Dan is a rock and roller. He's in a band called Shark Shock. So anytime I get a tattoo from Dan, we, we talk about our bands and we talk about our, you know, our influences and stuff. And so we were lying there, I'm lying there getting the tattoo and on the stereo, Kiss started playing on the, on the Spotify playlist that he had going. And so as he was giving me the tattoo, I looked up and I said, hey, did I ever tell you about the time that I fronted Kiss on Letterman? And um, he was like, holy shit, no. And so, um, you know, when I got to my hotel that night, I sent him the link to that video and I watched it like a couple of times. And I was like, holy crap, man, I really I really did that. You fronted Kiss? Huh? What was that? What, so what's the story there? I mean, what was that? I'm guessing that was to promote this compilation, but... Uh... 
yeah. I mean, did you have any zany kiss moment that went along with that? There were a few, actually. You know, um, my my favorite moment is you don't see it in the video, but during the solo, Gene and Paul like flanked me and started doing that uh, coordinated rocking back and forth thing that they do. Uh-huh. And they're so tall, you know, so I was standing in between the two of them and I literally had to look straight up to see both of their faces. It was this moment where I was in Kiss and that was literally what I dreamed of. No shit, deep, you know, real REM sleep dreams. When I was in the sixth grade, I would dream about being in Kiss. And so for to, to be able to grow up and have that actually like come true for a moment was, was incredible. You know, I've been able to have a, a few moments like that over the course of our career. And, and you know, again, I, I look back sometimes and I, I just can't believe that all of this has really happened. And, and literally, my third grade dream of being a rock singer came true. You know, speaking of fronting other bands, you also help out with the Smithereens these days and front those. Are there going to be more of those dates and, and activity on the way? Yeah, actually, um they're being inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame sometime this fall, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there to front the Smithereens as they as they do as they're inducted. And then um, I'd like to do more shows with them next year than I got to do this year. And on top of that, we're talking about making a record. And Jim and I just Jim Babjack, the guitar player. Jim and I just started writing some songs together. So he sent me. He sent me four ideas, and I've started writing lyrics. So, yeah, go figure. I'm in the smithereens. Wow. (laughs) That's really exciting news, every bit of that. Uh, Yeah. I I hope that doesn't take too long to to come to fruition. I'll definitely be looking forward to it. It it will take a long fucking time. Um, (laughs) Everything does. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm also hoping to make a Jim Blossoms record again next year. So, you know. There's a lot of work to do. You know, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, what else have I got to do, you know, but being a rock and roller, you know? It's the whole, it seems like what I was put here on earth to do. So. Well, maybe it's also time, you know, you just uh, pull the hat trick, the trifecta, call up uh, call up Gene and see if Kiss needs a new record, too. So you can, you can just knock out all three. There you go. Yeah, I'm waiting for R.E.M. and Queen to call, you yeah. know? Well, you know, I mean, um, Stipes, you know, he, he's kind of pulled back, but the other guys look like they still want to play. So, you know, it's maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm qualified you know, <laughs> for that for that position. You know, I could. Uh, yeah, but of course, Michael Stipes, one of one of the greats. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a rock front man, I have to hold him up as you know w- one of the top ten lead singer frontman in, in rock history and in, in, in my personal experience uh, one of one of the say five most influential on my style as a performer as a lyricist as a singer you know I, I don't think uh, you know there's only a few that I can point to that had a bigger influence on me than Michael Stipe. Well uh, I agree and feel the same way 100 percent and since we've now come full circle back to what we, we started talking about REM at the beginning, so I feel like uh, I feel like we've done our due diligence here, and uh, and that's a good way to to wrap it up. <laughs> okay, Robin. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for uh, for the interview today and the phone call, and um, and we'll see you back on the road with uh, with Collective Soul in the next leg. 
All right. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed our conversation. And All right, man. Take care. Bye now. Thanks. Bye. Big thanks. Robin Wilson of the Jim Blossoms. Their latest album, Mixed Reality, is out now. Hey, before you get out of here, don't forget, I hope you hit the subscribe button. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that you're listening from right now, you can hit the subscribe button. Uh, and, and if it is in the podcast land, I hope you give the series a rating and leave a review or even just say hi and where you're listening from. After that, WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. I'm also at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park